Hey, thanks for clicking the box. Really appreciate it. If you have not subscribed, please do. Also like us, also share us with your friends. Today, great talk with Jeremy Bronson with GBQ. We talk about some new things they're bringing to Toledo for those business owners without an exit strategy. It's like revolutionary. Like I haven't seen anything like this in Toledo before. We also talk about his pivot from professional athlete into business and how similar some of those things are, which I thought was very interesting as a not very athletic athlete kind of guy. And um, lastly, trying to strike that balance, which seems almost impossible between, you know, business and family and cheerleading camps and cheerleading tournaments and all the things that these guys do, pivoting from hockey to cheerleading, which is a pretty cool thing too. So anyways, excited to have you watch this and share it. Thanks a lot for watching. Y'all ready for this? Welcome to the Dan DeVerna Podcast, where we talk about business, life, and how to win it both. Yeah, I guess that most people, if they recognize your name, like they might recognize it more from the hockey front, right? Do you get that a lot or a little or... Every once in a while I do, um, you know, when I'm around the hockey rink and, and things like that, um, being out of it for a little while. Yeah. How long have you been out? Cause it doesn't, I mean, I'm kind of old, so it's hard, but how long have you been out of the hockey stuff? So I, I hung up the skates in 2007, I think it oh was. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm old. <laughs> that happened like in no time. Oh, right. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that's awesome. I, uh, I actually gave it up the year that they shut down the sports arena. So my last year was with the Toledo storm. So okay. when, uh, when the storm hung it up, I hung it up. Wow. Okay. So 2007. So that's definitely, so when you pivoted out of that, like t tell me about the conversion from hockey life to like real life. Yeah. If there, if that's the right verbiage, I don't know. Right. It was, yeah, obviously very, very different. Um, I, I actually ended up moving to Cleveland. So, you know, you come out of college and you always hear, you know, you gotta go for get a job, um, sure. in accounting, uh, you know, working for the big four was the big thing coming out of college, going mm -hmm. to get your CPA, you know, thinking about it now, you know, maybe extending my hockey career and there's a ton of things you can do, you know, while you're playing professional hockey. I mean, you can start up an Amazon business and do it on the road and those types of things. Sure. So, yeah. You know, you, you think back and say, you know, I, I could have started a business when I was actually doing this and, and things yeah. like that. But like I said, you're always, you know, here and go to the big four if you're in accounting. So I went to Cleveland for a bit um, and then worked for a firm called Grant Thornton. Yep. I think at the time they were probably the fifth largest uh, firm around the country. So, um, so yeah. So back to Toledo. Yep. And what brought you back to Toledo? So I'm from Bowling Green. Mm -hmm. uh, so I had family back here. Um, I had a little one at the time. So she's eight now, but I brought her. We moved back to, to Sylvania here. Uh, my family's in Perrysburg. So, yeah, just had kids, wanted to get closer to home. My wife's from the Dayton area. Okay. So a little bit nicer for, for her mom to come up and see the kids as well. Yeah, it's great. So here with Jeremy Bronson. 
CPA, right? Like you've got all kinds of credentials, actually. Like credentials, I don't even know what they mean. Maybe we should start with that. Like the like all the the all those letters. It's very complicated. Right. So yeah, <laughs> CPA, certified public accountant. I got that right out of school about a year after. Which is done, a done really hard test. It is. Like that's one of the harder tests on tests on the planet because I know some really smart people <laughs> that I don't think ever ended up getting that and yeah. they went to school for accounting. Right. So yeah. that's real deal. I, yeah, there's a there's a big debate of whether the bar or the CPAs, you know, harder. Yeah. But yeah, I, it's a it's a definitely a, uh, it's a good filter. Right. <laughs> like it definitely keeps some people out. Yeah, for sure. So I got that, and then recently, uh, through you know doing accounting, getting more involved with business valuations, that type of work, um, I went and got certified to to do valuations. So CVA certified valuation analyst, mm-hmm. and then on top of that, SEPA, uh, so certified exit planning. Um, uh, advisor as well. So those two are kind of the same thing, um, you know, helping people uh, with business valuations, you know, with the baby boomers, uh, huge population of baby boomers right now, you know, 60 plus that, you know, have to transfer their wealth over the next five to 10 years um, that own businesses. So getting in that field and, and helping out with that, I, I thought that would be valuable to, to get that credential as well. Yeah. Well, that's a super, I mean, that is like putting a spotlight on one of the things we deal with on a weekly basis of, is talking to people. Like you talk to a small business owner and they, you know, they, they sometimes will put away money in the retirement plans and things, but they're thinking of their business as the retirement plan, right? I mean, yeah. is that not exactly that, on point? That's exactly on point. I mean, we see, you know, a lot of business owners don't have a 401k plan. Everything that they do in the business goes, you know, back into the business and, you know, blood, sweat and tears. That's, that's their baby. So, um, you know, helping them, come up with an exit plan, working with a financial advisor like yourself to make sure, you know, when we do the valuation of the business, is that enough money to, you know, ultimately is that sale price enough money to, you know, have the retirement that they want to? And if not, you know, what do we do to help them increase the value over the next three to five years to, to get them to that dollar amount? So you guys are even getting into that. Like, Okay, so the number isn't as good as I thought it was because everybody thinks their thing is worth more, like whether it's a house or a business <laughs> or whatever, like they think what they own is more is worth more than what it likely is. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's a tough conversation to obviously have. Yeah. Um, you go because a lot of times owners come to us when they're tired and they say, you know, they say, you know what, I'm, I'm done. I'm ready to sell. Um, but then going back to them and say, well, you know, the business isn't as you know, worth as much as what we, we think it is. So, um, you know, um, but yeah, there's a a bunch of different things that you can look at, um, and, you know, and to increase the value of the business. So, you know, a lot of people think, all right, whatever, you know, EBITDA, um, is, is usually what, you know, um, people use to, to measure the value of the business and then using a multiple of, of EBITDA. But there's also a lot of, um, you know, intangibles that, you know, you, you can look at to help increase the value of the business. So, you know, is the owner, um, you know, is the owner running the business or does he have a management team in place? So, you know, helping that owner get a management team in place so it's not just all about him 
customer concentration. So, you know, if it, it's all about risk. So if you have one customer that makes up 90% of your, you know, sales, obviously that business isn't going to be attractive where is, you know, you might have a business with, you know, your, your largest customers, 5%. So there's a bunch of different factors that we look at and, you know, help them with a plan to, to minimize, basically minimize risk for that person that's coming in to, to buy the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to watch the development of these businesses. Like sometimes you've got two tracks that we see. It seems like somebody, they start their business and then they kind of always stay on that same path. Like the business is feeding their income and they're feeding their life or they're using the way we would prefer it, which I would think you would as well. Like they are, they own the business they start putting people in place to run the business and then they actually can build their balance sheet a little bit, their personal assets with assets that are developed out of a plan to move over to their personal balance sheet. Right. So, which is the ideal situation for us. Exactly. And that's another conversation that we have with uh, business owners a lot because they're, they're always trying to minimize taxes as much as possible. So, you know, you might have family members on the payroll that, so you're, you know, trying to reduce taxes there, or, you know, you might have, you know, some extra travel costs and meals and entertainment costs. So when you do a valuation of the business, you're going through and doing what we call normalized earnings. But if you're normalizing earnings and you've got, you know, 10 different normalizations that you're doing, then when that prospective buyer is coming in, they're saying, you know, all right, well, you know, he's, he's running his life or he or she's running their lifestyle through this business. For and sure. that's not one, uh, what a you know buyer wants to see. So helping <laughs> yeah. them clean that up over three years and say, all right, you're going to take a little bit of a hit in, in terms of taxes, but we want the financial statements to be clean for um, that buyer that's coming in so they can rely on the information. Yeah. That's an interesting observation. I I've never really thought of it that way, but we, you know, we act absolutely have a lot of people running their lifestyle through the business <laughs> or running their business through the lifestyle or whatever, <laughs> yeah. depending on which way you want to look at it. Like right. that's for sure uh, a big thing that's on the radar. So, so you're kind of counseling people. So, I mean, are you as much an accountant or it sounds like you've almost moved to a consulting role a lot more. Yeah, I would say probably a majority of my work is consulting. Um, I, you know, a few years ago, I was doing tax returns. I was doing assurance type work. But um, when I started my accounting firm five, six years ago, you know, I was kind of, I was, kind of a generalist doing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but through that, I, I met another person, you know, uh, made a commitment to buy, purchase their firm, did that for a couple years. And then uh, we actually merged in with Weber Clark two years ago, mm-hmm. which now since is merged with GBQ. Yeah. So by doing those mergers, I've been, been able to be, you know, more focused on the specific, you know, valuation, exit planning, buying and selling businesses and, and consulting. Um, I, I know enough to be dangerous with tax work and things like sure. that to, to help. But, you know, we have a, a, a large bench of, you know, people that that's all they do is tax work. So um, from the compliance standpoint, you know, being able, able to to leverage them has, you know, has been a, a big benefit. Yeah. So you had an expansion. So six years ago, it's you. Yep. And then you moved to a, a quite a lot bigger. I mean, that's a, the Weber group is a good, good yeah. group of 
there and then to expand like how big is gbq now because they're home base in columbus yep. right yep so home office is columbus uh they've got an office in cincinnati obviously now toledo and then they've got an office in indianapolis now so there we're over 200 plus people wow yeah so That's... going from one person to uh yeah 200 person organization in, in five years is definitely different structure. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's really nice because I'm familiar. We don't have the, the size of the scale, but we've got 20 some advisors and, you know, we're down in Columbus now. We've got an office, Maumee, Toledo, Perrysburg, you know, and then some other spaces in Memphis and some of that, but it's nice having people that specialize in certain things. Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, a big deal. That's been the biggest thing, especially with all the changes that have happened over the last couple of years. It's very hard to be a gen generalist and, and do everything. I mean, just in the last year, whether it be PPP or employee retention oh, credit, yeah. you know, two weeks ago in the middle of tax season, they're changing tax you know laws and how to calculate, you know, unemployment's not taxable anymore. So to have that bench strength to, you know, have specific subject matter experts in those areas to be able to leverage has been, you know, huge. And whether it be, you know, cost segregation studies to, to help, you know, reduce taxes, R&D tax credits um, with the whole Wayfair and Amazon thing, uh, sales and, um, you know, st state and local taxes, a, a big issue with people. Yeah. So, you know, we've, we've got resources for, for all those different areas. Wow. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. Like that's, you kind of start unpacking that and you think about all that that means. So, because you're becoming a one-stop shop like that, like when you start pivoting, cause we, we talked, I mean, with, you start getting into the PPP loans mm -hmm. and that was kind of one of those things where people received money before they knew what the rules were. Right. They, oh, well, yes and no. Right. They, they didn't know what the finished rules were. They thought they knew what the rules were. They received the money. They may or may not have spent it. And then the rules were changing soon after. Yeah. Right? And they're still changing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, up until probably a month and a half ago, month, month and a half ago, you know, if you were a schedule C filer and you didn't show any net profit, you couldn't get a PPP loan. Um, they changed the rules a couple of weeks ago and now it's based on, um, you know, line seven of your schedule C, whatever your, your income is. So yeah, being able to, you know, like I said, have subject matter experts to really focus on, you know, those specific areas and get real time information out to our clients is, has been huge, whether it be, you know, through blog posts, um, or, you know, we've done tons of, webinars over this past year on, you know, specific issues like that when, when new things come out. Yeah. So when you do a webinar, like, is that like your current clients or are you broadcasting that to like the world or how does that, how does that anybody that wants to be on it? Yeah. Like, so initially it was to our, our current client base, mm -hmm. but we have a great marketing team yeah. and p people started finding us, you know, through, uh, like watching the, uh, the replays. Mm -hmm. So that client build, you know, client list started building and we've got new clients just from doing those webinars. Oh yeah. Um, from doing that, just, you know, getting that real time information. Well, I think that's one of the things that like when we were getting questions that were definitely out of our league, like we were looking for resources, like, and the people were coming to us as somebody, the kind of quarterback and say, Hey, who, who should we talk to about these things? And I'm like, that is, 
not something I'm familiar <laughs> with. So we have to find places and people. And I think that was like the commodity because I think business owners as a whole, which definitely, even though you don't exactly own a big piece of like you're definitely wired that way. And so people are looking for where they can get this kind of data, this kind of information and um, business owners fall in two camps. Either they like shut down and were like hiding their head in the sand during the COVID times, or they were going to operate business as usual. And I think we saw a lot of both of those, or at least I did. Right. Yeah. And that's what I really try to do for clients is I want to be their trusted advisor. Because when you're a business owner, you're out there on your own. Yeah. Uh, you don't have anybody to go to. Um, you know, you can't go to your employees and saying, hey, I'm having this problem with my business. They're going to look at you and say, well, see, you. I'm going to go find another job if you're having this <laughs> that problem. Sound <laughs> I don't feel confident anymore. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. So I want to be that person that, you know, clients can come to and say, hey, what do I do here? You know, do you have any advice for me? You know, I work with a, you know, 30, 50 business owners. So, you know, I've seen a lot of stuff. I, you know, I've seen a lot of things that, you know, other owners have been through. So, yeah. you know, that's obviously valuable when, you know, situations come up. For sure. And the level of val value that they're getting there is immense. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, we have some mutual clients and some friends and, and, and some people. And one of the things that you can't recreate is experience. Like when you're seeing like how 50 different business owners respond to different things, like you're just getting more repetition. And I get that all the time in my business. And I'm sure that has to be, it might be the biggest asset you have is what you've what you're kind of learning right. constantly, even when you're not even trying. Yep. Yeah. Know? And I've got a lot of smart people around me too. So yeah. that always helps, you know, I'm, I'm not shy in saying, I don't know the answer, but you know, together we can figure it out and mm -hmm. trying to figure out that right person to go to. So, yeah. So that's, um, it, it's interesting to think of this in two different ways. The first is I'm thinking of like the COVID part, but that I don't like, hopefully we're putting that behind us sometime soon, although it's still definitely present. Um, but to think of what is starting to evolve. And we had a conversation before about something that to, uh, to us is very new. So like a situation where you kind of like, where we were talking about the exit strategy because you know, the, the ways that businesses generally transition is the natural way is, you know, junior comes in and he's going to start to run the business. And so there's 22 other employees and they're all pissed because junior is now, you know, leapfrogged all of them. And so hopefully junior can run it as good as senior did, but the chances of that are pretty nominal. But so we could talk through that idea or that experience, but also when there's no junior or junior decides he's an artist and he's going to go do something different. He doesn't want to be, you know, in the, in the, uh, concrete business or whatever it is, yeah. you know, so how those different, maybe walk us through one or two different things and what you guys at uh, GBQ are starting to bring to Toledo in that way. Yeah. You know, in, in order to be that advisor, sometimes, you know, that, you know, the parents might be looking to, to transition it to, to their kids or something. You've got to be that person to say, you know what, 
your kid can't run this business. He's not ready yet. Or, you know, he's going to run it into the ground. So you got to be able to, you know, be able to tell business owners that. But so, you know, in that case, you know, if, if he doesn't have, he or she doesn't have anybody to, to transfer the business to, um, you know, through our, um, merger with GBQ, we've got a strategic alliance with uh, an investment bank down in Columbus called Footprint Capital. Mm. So um, through, you know, we do a lot of merger or they do a lot of merger and acquisition work. So, you know, you know, company A might have, you know, a competitor that's looking to, you know, purchase them, but that might not be the, you know, the best, you know, play for them. We may want to take it out to, you know, some sort of auction. That being, you know, our investment bank has a bunch of connections, whether it be um, through, you know, strategic buyers, through private equity, you know, whatever. But, you know, they may put it out to an auction where they send it out to a hundred different, you know, potential buyers. They you say, all right, you know, send in your, your basically your bid uh, for, for what you think the company's worth. Um, they'll go through it, um, say, submit your letter of intent, and then, you know, ultimately come up with, you know, um, who that potential, you know, buyer is and then go through due diligence. But by going through the process, you're helping, um, you know, sell the business for the maximum value possible. And obviously you want to sell to the right party because you don't want a company to come in and, you know, wipe out all your staff or anything like that. So, you know, it's, there has to do a lot with price, but you know, culture is a big thing too, when you're doing these acquisitions. Yeah. Well, I think of the, when you started talking there, I was thinking about some of the conversations we've had. So if it is junior that takes over the business and junior's got siblings and they're not going to be in the business, how you keep all that stuff in front of you, Yeah, you know, like, or, you know, maybe two of the kids are in the business, but the third one isn't and how it's equitable so that, you know, the, when mom and dad are gone, that the kids are still able to do Thanksgiving together, Mm -hmm. you know, because that's (laughs) like a a thing that we've seen is where you've got, you know, a farm's a great example where, you know, the son ends up being the farmer and he's running the, the farm and the, the sister is thinking she's on the outside looking in because she's getting a small cut of some of the money, but the, the, the lifestyle is fitting back into the farmer and all those things. And so I think it's interesting that that's like, you're kind of making a career of these interesting conversations. And there's like a, I mean, there's so many people that fall into this group that are being affected by this, like the 55 to 70 year olds that are in a spot like this, that just always knew the business was going to be their retirement plan. And, but it wasn't really a a plan. It was, yeah. it's a business, but it wasn't a plan mm-hmm. for the end of the the end of the business or whatever it is. It's a huge number of businesses that are owned by people over 55 right now. So uh, there's going to be a huge, you know, transition in wealth over the next five to 10 years uh, because of that. Um, It's an interesting point that you brought up the family component because that's one of the, you know, part of the exit planning, you know, 
strategy that we go through, that's a that's a big thing that we talk about up front is, you know, if there's multiple family members, you know, how is this going to work? Because, you know, like you said, if there's two people working in the business or two of the kids working in the business, but, you know, that third child doesn't work, you know, is it really fair to split it a third, a third, a third when that person's not adding any value to the business? Right. So getting those conversations out of the way up front rather than having it come down to the 11th hour and, you know, have, having somebody kill the deal because they're not happy with what they're getting. Um, you don't want that to happen. So that's one of the initial conversations you, you should have with the, the business owner and the family and, and have everybody come to an agreement. The other part of that is, you know, having that conversation with the, the business owner, you know, because that's all they've probably been doing for the last 40 years is, you know, going in and, you know, that's their baby. And that's all they know is, is that business. So the big question is, all right, once you sell it, what are you going to do? Right. You know, do you want to stay in the business? Most time people aren't happy just going to Florida and hanging it up. They, they get bored after six months and then they're going crazy, you know? So they, you have to have a plan after the actual transition as to, you know, what that owner is going to do. And is that going to make them happy? Well, I think people in the, in the United States as a whole are so, it's so glamorous to retire. Like they have this idea of this retirement, but they don't think of the details of what retirement is, you know? So like we talk about this all the time, it doesn't need to be a business owner for this part of the talk. Like you want to transition, you want to retire to something. Mm -hmm. So we have more clients than ever. I mean, there's, I talk about my grandpa, it seems like almost every time that I'm, I'm in front of the camera. Um, but also in front of clients, like he's 97, he's been getting a pension, from Ohio BP longer than he worked for them. (laughs) And like, there's going to be more and more of those people. Like they're not doing so many pensions anymore, but like, you don't want to be like you retiring is not like, it's no longer like you retire at 60 and you're dead at 67. Like there's a whole, maybe the biggest chapter of your life that you're about to live. So you want to, we have lots of people retiring to a job that they like doing instead of a job they have to do. Right. But to retire and just think, Oh yeah, I'm done. Like that doesn't end well. Like I've seen that (laughs) it goes really bad, usually really quickly, especially (laughs) with people that have been super active running a business or doing stuff every day, every minute. And then they like the music stops and they're like, what do I do? What do <laughs> right. I do? That's ex- my dad. I think he retired when he was around 55, but you know, that was 10, 15 years ago. He hasn't stopped working since then. He just takes on odd jobs every once in a while, just yeah. does what he wants to do. He picks and choose what he, you know, what he wants to do and what he doesn't want to do, but you know, keeps him doing something, not just sitting around. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's so many things that you can do to help other people make, you know, make your life better, be healthy. There's, you know, I mean, we obviously in Toledo area, we see a lot of people move down to Florida or they snowbird and all that stuff. But I go down and visit those people. Those people are living. down there. <laughs> like I was, I was at the park, like this was just before COVID happened. I was down there last year in January and like I was at a park cause I had a, some time to kill. And there was literally like a crew, like crew, uh, like the rowers, uh-huh. like t- 
teams of these older people that were doing crew. Like, and I'm like seeing them come in, like they're coming in with their boats with six, eight people in them. And there's like one boat, two boats, three boats, four, like over by the villages. It was unreal. Like, and I'm like, who would have thought? And it was like eight in the morning. Like it was early (laughs) in the morning. I was just, it's interesting to see what people you know, what, how full their lives can be if they want it to be, right. you know, and then you have the other end of the spectrum, which, you know, is makes the COVID just seem, seem immense because they weren't doing anything anyways. And now they have an excuse to not do anything and just, that's it. Right. You know, <laughs> and they're part of the average that gained, you know, 30 or 40 pounds during this last year, which is horrible, you know? So yeah, Uh, it's funny, but it's not right. right. Uh, So good. Yeah. So, um, another thing I'm always interested in. So the pivot for professional athletes. So a pivot from, cause not very athletic guy. I mean, I I do athletic things, but I'm not athletic at them. Mm -hmm. Um, but the pivot from professional athlete, to professional business. Like, do you think there's a lot of things you learned at hockey that have translated for you into the business community as far as like, I don't know, work ethic, like thing, like processes, things that you do as part of your life, lifestyle, culture or whatever. Absolutely. Um, you know, when I was growing up playing hockey, um, I grew up in Bowling Green, Ohio, um, and I think when I was 10, 11 years old, I actually started playing up in Michigan. Mm -hmm. So my parents were driving me from Bowling Green up to Detroit probably four or five, six times a a week doing that. So (laughs) I'd get out of- They're all in. (laughs) Yeah, right. right. I'd get out of school, you know, uh, get home, jump in the car, and I was up you know, doing homework in the car on the way up to, to practice. You go to practice, you do homework on the way home and then, you know, go to bed and wake up and do it the next day. So, um, you know, I did it because I'm very competitive and I wanted to, you know, be part of the best team that there was around. Um, so, you know, at the time, um, the team I was on was one of the top teams in the country. We actually won two national championships in, wow. in doing it. So, you know, it was a commitment and, you know, something, obviously a lot of sacrifices that you had to do in order to do it. But, you know, like I said, I wanted to, um, you know, be part of the best team. I knew I wanted to play college hockey in order to do that. You know, that was the sacrifice that you had to make, um, you know, looking forward, you know, 10, 15 years to where I'm at now. I mean, everything that I learned through doing hockey, you know, doing hockey, whether it be, you know, teamwork, commitment, hard work, you know, all that stuff translates over to, you know, um, what I'm doing professionally right now. Um, you know, uh, waking up at six o'clock in the morning and doing workouts, you know, before you go to class and in college and stuff, I'm usually in the office at five in the morning, you know, plugging away, getting stuff done. So, you know, yeah, I, I pretty much credit everything that I, I learned through hockey and to, to where I'm at now. That's a big deal. There's, there's, it feels like there's less of that than there used to be. Yeah. Like the, especially maybe the COVID put the spotlight on it, but it seems like everybody got a chance. There's two, one's a really funny development 
And that is how people dress. Like, like <laughs> yeah, I think right. people got real com- comfortable and real casual real quick. Yeah. And then the other thing is work ethic because they're looking around and they're not seeing a lot of other people with a lot of activity. Mm-hmm. And so the people that do do that, like I'm a super early person, I'm in the office ridiculously early and then I'm in the office and then go to jujitsu and then I'm back to the office and all that stuff. But there's less of that than I've ever seen right. since I've been in the business stuff for the last 20 some years. It just seems like there was an excuse or an opportunity for people to take their foot off the gas a little bit. Yeah. And I, you know, exactly what you said, you know, you know, some, it was an opportunity to take your foot off the gas. I looked at it as an opportunity. There's a bunch of business owners out there struggling. Well, you know, I got to get in front of them and I got to help them. So, you know, I looked at it as an opportunity to, to help people and, you know, help them get through it. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great thing. I mean, I think a job like that, like that's a big job. And it's a lot of responsibility. And I like what you just said there because you feel the responsibility as to why, like there's people that when I get done, I get, I introduce our process and our system to somebody like when we leave, they're better for Mm -hmm. having known us. They're better for having met us, you know? And in most cases, even though, maybe we're not the solution for everybody. We usually find something that we improve upon for them. Right. You know, so I like that, that responsibility that you're feeling is there. And, and I'd be curious to tell too, I mean, before we go, cause I know we're starting to bump up on time already, but the idea of how you are able to strike a balance, because when you were back playing hockey, <laughs> like, well, you got to do your homework, show up to school and play hockey yeah. or then, you know, that those things change, but now you've got, got a couple girls, got, you know, family, you've got work, you're still trying to, you know, still staying in shape and doing all that stuff. Like, how do you, how do you find the time or, or the ability to have balance for those things? If my wife was here, she'd be screaming. He doesn't. So. <laughs> yeah, right. I, yeah, yeah, I can see that. But it, it, it's tough, um, you know, because, of, you know, uh, yeah, I'm committed to what I do. I like helping people. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, there's got to be that work, you know, f- work family balance. So that's why I try to get in there early in the morning. You know, my family's not up at five o'clock in the morning. So that's an opportunity where I see I can Mm -hmm. get into the office rather than, you know, staying, um, you know, at the office until eight o'clock at night. I rather go in in the morning and get home around, you know, five and six o'clock so I can see my kids and family and and things like that. So, you know, that's, that's a sacrifice you have to make. Um, but, um, you know, I, I'm committed to, you know, I want to make sure that I'm at all their, you know, cheerleading competitions and things like that. I try to help out with, you know, taking them to practice and and things like that. So, you know, being in the the position I am, um, you know, in GBQ, we're we're really flexible in in terms of that, in terms of work-life balance, you know, family comes first. So, um, yeah, just trying to do what you can to, to get through it and, you know, make sure your, your kids and your, your wife's taken care of. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard to kind of find that balance to be able to do, especially when you're so passionate about what you do. And like, I don't know how you feel about this, probably putting you on the spot in some level, but like my job doesn't feel like work to me. Right. So I get caught up in it. And sometimes like, I remember this was forever ago, my brother-in-law 
was going to maybe come work with me. And he follow, I said, well, come up and follow me for a day. And so he comes up and, and he's like, well, when should I get there? So I'm going to go to the office and then I'm going to go to martial arts. But you like, why don't you just come after I go to martial arts? So he gets there, let's say eight o'clock and then we go to work. We're at, we're working and it's, uh, like 6 p.m. And I have like one more appointment and I'm like, oh, dude, I, sorry. Um, you're probably hungry for dinner or something. And he's like, (laughs) we never ate lunch. (laughs) Like, how about lunch? And I'm like, oh yeah. Like, sorry about that. Like I probably had a handful. I used to keep like a handful of peanuts or mix or whatever. Uh And I just moved on through, trucked through, didn't think twice about it. And yeah, he like made that observation and he did not end up coming to work with me, by the way. <laughs> yeah. But but that's like a pretty natural thing. I was just caught up in all the things I was doing and and you know, you, yeah. you, when you like it, I mean it's not even like like I, I think I'll be doing this till I'm at least seventy. Yeah. So I'm like maybe halfway through my career. Right. It's so, I mean, it's funny you say that because you look at those small things that you can do and try to, you know, get the most out of your day, whether you know on my way over here, I'd grab something to eat and, you know, eat in the car. So I didn't have to sit down and, you know, waste a half hour to eat lunch somewhere. Or, right. You know, you try to schedule your phone calls if you're going to be in the, the car for a half hour. So you can do the, you know, the car, the call on the, the, or the, yeah, the call on the, you know, the car if you need to and things like that. So yeah. it's, you know, what little things can you do to, to maximize what you're going to get out of the day? Right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I'm sure that you have that pivot when you're in your day-to-day work job, when you're talking to clients that are like doing so many things, like that's a transition. I I've had this talk with all the advisors that work for us and like lots of my business owners, like make a list, a to-do list and a not to-do list and figure out about what your dollar per hour is, which is easy for a consultant. It's mediocre for me, but I think of like, Hey, this is about what my dollar per hour is. So everything below that, I should be farming out. Mm-hmm. And then there's certain things that no, I'm absolutely the right person for this job. And then for those things, I'm not the right person. Right. You know, which is sometimes hard to, to do, especially with somebody who's been doing that for 20 or 30 years. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe impossible. Yeah. So, when you, you know, when I hear business owners say that, you know, they're so busy and they can't get stuff done, you know, when you know, make a list of all the tasks and, you know, ask yourself one, can you automate it? No, if not two, can you delegate it? So, you know, and, and looking at that dollar per hour is, you know, is this thing, you know, is this task really worth my time and doing, or, you know, can I, can I delegate it down to, yeah. to someone? Well, I would think that with the, with the small business owner who wants to sell his business, if he's so important to that business, how do you, how does he sell it? Yeah. Right. Like how does anybody, how does it translate to anybody else? If you're everything to that business, like you got to make yourself less important. Like yeah. that's the key, right? Yeah. I mean, the tail end, you, you pretty much say, Hey, can you go away for a month and can the business run without you for a month? Yeah. If not, then you've got a problem. You got some work to do. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where they call you. Right. <laughs> exactly. They track you down and figure you out. And so, and you're bringing something to Toledo, to my knowledge, there's never been anybody that was set up to facilitate. I mean, usually the transactions that I've been a a part, a party to, or seen happen is usually like people that know they're operating in the same space 
And so I'm a little bit older. You're a little bit younger. You seem like a business that's comparable to mine. So mm-hmm. let's talk about you buying it. Yep. And you're expanding that, not just to the people I know, the, just the four companies that are kind of like mine, but you're expanding it really across the nation potentially or to a, a much larger group of potential buyers in that as well, right? Yeah. So with our strategic alliance with that the investment bank like footprint, there's no other investment bank in, you know, in town um, that, you know, has that capability. So that's very unique to, you know, Toledo here and in, in being able to have, you know, the um, basically the capability of what they have and the resources and, and those types of things. So yeah, we're really excited about, you know, building that aspect here in Toledo. That's awesome. Yeah. That's going to be a big deal. That's a big addition. I mean, I'm glad to have learned about it here recently. Yeah. And I think we're going to end up having some of the ability to work together on some of that stuff because that's a a really big deal. And it's a good thing for people to hear that, that that exists because they don't have to put all the responsibility on themselves to like go go find somebody to buy their business. Like they can sell their business for what it's worth. Yep. To, and and it can continue, and they all those people because usually, generally, um, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't retiring. So just because the business owner that he's done doesn't mean everybody else is ready to to hang right. it up too. That never happens that way. Yeah, and it may not be that baby boomer. You know, there's plenty of you know business owners that are in their 40s and 50s. Yeah. Um, you know, with with COVID hitting last year. Um, you know, some of the, the private equity deals died down a little bit just because mm-hmm. of the uncertainty. So I, I was actually in a training yesterday. Um, I think somebody said that there's uh, $1 trillion worth of dry powder. That's what they basically say. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how much money the private equity firms are sitting on to basically invest in, you know, these other businesses and, and look at buying, you know, wow. potentially buying them. So yeah. they're, they're out there and they're, they're, they're looking for businesses. So, you know, we try to be that matchmaker and, you know, help business owners, you know, um, basically capitalize on the best opportunity. That's awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking time today. Really yeah. appreciate it. Good, good stuff, man. Thanks for having this me. Good. Yeah, great. Bringing us to Toledo is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Thanks, man. Licensed services using the following business names: Great Financial Partners, Insurance and Financial Services, Ameritas Investment Company, LLC, AIC, Member FINRA, SIPC, Security Investments, Ameritas Advisory Services, AIS Investment Advisory Services, AIC and AIS are not affiliated with Great Financial Partners. Licensed services are limited to residents of states where the representative is registered. This is not offer securities in any jurisdiction nor is specifically directed to a resident of any jurisdiction. As with any security request, prospectus from a representative, read carefully before you invest or send money. The representative will contact you to provide request information. Representative of AIC and AIS do not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult your tax advisor or attorney regarding the situation. Oh, thanks for watching.